spinning back to the open side. Karim Bete, Optical here for Samu, who's quick. Pete Samu looking for Karim Bete. Back to Samu. Oh, that is wonderful. That is wild. That is amazing from the Wallabies. Hello and welcome to the Ryan Lonergan Fan Appreciation Podcast. We provide a platform for Ryan admirers to come together and support the man who plays rugby as though he's an angel from heaven. Fanboys, <laughs> going weak at the knees, we do it all for you, our dear Ryan. I'm your host, Ando. With me is Mitch. And tonight, we've got a lot to cover. We're going to cover the Wallaby Squad announcement, Super W Round 2, Super Rugby Pacific Round 6, the Match of the Week, which is the Brumbies and the Waratahs, and then the Locker Room. Mitch, you were down in Canberra. How are you? Yeah, very good. Uh, it was awesome to be able to get down and actually meet Lion, Ryan, Lion, Ryan Lonigan. Um, let's call him Lion now, Lion Ronigan, uh, in the flesh. <laughs> so, I was I was hoping, I was really excited because just before kickoff, they brought around these giant faces of all the players and handed them out to the fans. Um, and there was a kid, maybe four or five rows away from me, who got given the Ryan Lonigan face, and I was hoping to sort of hope pinch it off him or something, but it didn't eventuate. So sorry, Ando, you don't have a giant Ryan Lonigan face behind you as we record did he, um Did he get to take it home or is it something that they just hand out and take back at the end of the game? Well, I was expecting to see them hand them back after the game, but no, once like once the final siren was sounded, all the play, all the fans were able to get onto the field and a lot of the kids were running around getting this, the faces signed by the players. So oh, definitely hell. were able to, to take it home, which was a really games. cool initiative. That'd be amazing. I mean, we've got our photos with Ryan now, so kind of the shrines can be completed at home. But imagine having that like oversized uh, face of Ryan Onigan watching you as you sleep. It'd be all your dreams come true. <laughs> yeah, there's the line, and I feel like the giant face might be just a bit over that line. <laughs> Who knows, mate? Who knows? Well, either way, we have a lot to be talking about. Mitch is going to be talking us through his experiences watching both the um, Waratahs men and women down in Canberra, which was a great experience. But Mitch, first off, um, can you take us through the top three contenders for our Super Rugby tipping results, please? Yeah, so well done to Dan G or Jojo Rabbit, who's still in first place. He was there last week and he's Managed to hang on. So he's on 32 points, followed closely by Paul F on 31 points, sharing third spot, or they're both sort of sharing first, second, and third. Um, Freho T is in uh, third place as well. So well done to them. Um, Ando, you're in 20th spot. So you've come up the table very nicely this week. Yeah, I've gone up about 22 or 24 points from last week. Um, I did have a look where, where you are. Do you, do you know where you are? Uh, 150, I think. Yeah, Somewhere yeah about, about 150th. About 150th, mate. We've got about 300 people, so I'm not doing too badly, really. <laughs> like, I'm not doing well. Definitely not doing well, but not doing too badly. I wonder if, like, with that amount of people, I think if you get, like, plus 200, you're into the area of the people that forget to put their tips in. So if you're in the area and you're actually having a crack and putting your tips in each week, you're not doing very well. Power so I'm, to you. I'm close. Power to you. Power to you. I'm close to um, that, that level. Well, mate, hopefully. Hopefully we would be hoping that you can be picking the game up from here. Although many of your tips are at this point just chasing an upset, which is very enjoyable and, and creates a bit of banter and commentary on the socials as well. What we might do though, though... Like this week, there was a lot of people that, that wrote in on social media and sort of questioned my my thoughts of backing the Reds on Friday night. But Eddie Jones came out in his podcast earlier on Friday afternoon and said he was also backing the Reds and 
thought they might cause the upset. So once I heard that, I was I was proud. I was ready to back the boys. And then once sort of kicked off and the game started, I was like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> yeah, like you're both wrong. <laughs> it's simple. Yeah. You, you but chose if, I'm, if I'm backing what the Wallabies coach is saying, I'm not doing too badly. Yeah, well, we're going to have a look in a moment and say that you can't really believe what the Wallaby coach says because uh, he said a lot of things about what the team was going to uh, look like with his Wallaby squad announcement. And we found out it was kind of anything but that. Yep. So we'll get into that in a moment, but we have two simple calls to action before we get into the pod proper. Number one, join our Discord channel. If you want to be a part of the best Australian rugby community going around, join Discord. There's a link on all of our social media profiles, so just go through there. And a second one, please consider going to ko-fi.com slash pickanddriverugby and supporting a podcast with a one-off or a monthly payment. Uh, we do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts, and we really appreciate the support of the generous ladies and gentlemen who have um, supported us. I think we've got a bunch of people with $5 a month, and that's basically the price of a coffee in Sydney these days. So we really, really appreciate that ongoing support. Um, a little bit for you means a lot to, for us so thank you very much so mitch without any further ado why don't we jump into the wallaby squad announcement let's go Now, the Wallaby squad, the first Wallaby squad under Eddie Jones has been announced for 2023, and there's a bit, of, there's a few upsets. There's a few interesting inclusions in this squad. Uh, before we dive through who did make the cut and who was unlucky to miss out, Ando, what are your general thoughts over this squad? Look, I feel like I've been lied to here, mate. Um, I, I found this really hard when, when the squad dropped because Eddie on his podcast, aptly called Eddie, uh, very clearly said that he picks two... Uh, teams of 15, so the best two players in each position, and then he was going to pick three extras, making a squad of 33. So you and I, well, mostly me, but you had an opportunity to have a quick look at it, picked our best two teams, essentially, and suggested those on the internet, on Twitter, on socials, and turns out that there are a whole bunch of players that in no way, shape, or form deserve inclusion if you're basing it on players picking themselves, which is what Eddie always says, um, picking the best <laughs> in players in each position. Uh, he just didn't go and pick what he said he was going to. So it was a very interesting, interesting squad that he has selected. So we moved through who was announced in the squad, um, particularly for those that are playing along at home and, and are not watching the YouTube screen and can't see the list next to our beautiful, pretty faces. Uh, let's dive through the plays that were announced and the ones, and we'll, we'll break it down into positions. So loose head props, he's gone with Tom Robertson, um, Shoop and Slipper. Now, uh, that, do we want to go through the whole squad, then talk about individual plays or let's go, we forwards. Stop when... let's go forwards and then yeah. backs. All right. So hookers, we've got, um, Ulessi, Lonergan and Parecki, tight head props, only two named Alan Alalatoa and, uh, Pone Falmasili. We've then got in the locks, Frost, Swain, Neville, Holloway, and Hannigan. And then loose forwards, Gleason, Hooper, McWright, Samu, Wilkin, and Valentini. Now, there are already a few names there that are jumping out and, and are sort of surprised to be included. What are your thoughts around the forward pack that he has selected so far? Well, I think the first part is, like, how is Jordan Ulysses there? Um, I find that really interesting. He's not even starting hooker at his 
club, the Rebels, um, let alone deserving co-op to Wallabies. Really interesting in that in the interview that Eddie did today on Sunday with a bunch of journos, um, he spoke in a way that seemed to indicate he was thinking of Tolu Latu when he was talking. So he was talking about a bunch of like off-field indiscretions that um, Ulysses had supposedly got into, and I was like, I don't think he has. That's that's Latu. Uh, so it was it was really odd. Um, so you, but do you he, reckon he's named the wrong player? No, I think just in that moment he was referring to the wrong player as he was answering that question. But either way, it was pretty funny. Um, he he did say about Ulysses that he. Um, really likes him he's a big ugly bloke is quote what he said uh he's tall he's strong carries hard and he wants to give him the opportunity opportunity to show that he's grown up a bit so take that as you will that's the comments that eddie had about you lacy now i guess one of the things we also need to sort of say and it's not included in our little graphic here on the screen for our youtube uh followers but there are two other groups of players that will be included in this squad. So the first group of players is rehab, the rehab group. So the players who are currently injured and not sort of doing any on-field work. So that that um, group includes Angus Bell, Rob Liotta and Taniela Tupo. He then also announced a group of international or overseas-based players who will be joining the squad via Zoom. And look, Say what you will around this. There's more than three or four names in this this list, and so we. Do, what does that give us an indication for the ghetto law later on? But before we jump to that, those players were Richie Arnold, Tom Banks, Quade Cooper, Bernard Foley, Marika Korobetti, Samu Karevi, and Will Skelton. Um, there also are a number of players as well that weren't considered due to injury. Those players are Flaufa Ngaa, Tom Liner, Alex Murphy, Hunter Paisami, Matt Phillip, and Isaac Rodder. So I think uh, a lot of people have sort of mentioned that Alex Murphy probably should be included over uh, Ulessi, but it has they have sort of clarified that the reason he hasn't been included in this squad at the moment is due to injury. Yep, yep, fair enough. And maybe you can include Falafainga in that bracket as well, even though I personally don't think he should be. Um, he has, uh, n- next to Parecki, is probably the most experienced. Actually, he's probably got more Wallabies caps than Parecki. Um, oh, he does, yeah, he does. Yeah. So, yeah, look, it was really interesting. I think the the challenge with players like Shupi and even like Swain to an extent is that they're not particularly form players. They're not people that have played themselves into the team at all. And that was one of the dominant messages that Eddie has been putting out over the last kind of six weeks or so throughout the season, that the players pick themselves, that those who have played mm-hmm. with enough... Um, Energy, consistency, um, whatever you want to say, whatever adjective you want to give, they needed to be the ones that put themselves forwards. And Swain hasn't. He's barely played. He's been injured for the last few weeks. Um, Shoop has been good. Shoop has been good, but he's mostly been coming off the bench for the Brumbies. Five games, two starts. And Ulysses hasn't hasn't been that amazing either. So it's really interesting the way that he's obviously um, got this like second perception or string of players or way of thinking that he wants to see more of and he wants to get into the camp to see how they go in that high performance environment now i want to i want to focus on that point you've just mentioned and, and come back to it in a second now i think it is important we run through the rest of the squad so the backs mm. maybe then we can focus on some of the players that weren't named that were kind of expected so um in half backs we do have uh nick white and ryan lonigan 
In the scrum, in the fly half, sorry, we've got Donaldson, Gordon, and Hodge. Uh, in the centers, we've got Fluke, Fluke, Fiketi, Ikatau. And then outside backs, we have Wright, Vunavalu, Nwangani, Tawasi, Pattaya, Kellaway, and Jorgensen. So some interesting names there, definitely. Some big people, names that didn't make the, the list. Uh, I guess if we we talk about the players that have missed out in the squad entirely, Harry Wilson's one that comes to mind. Noah mm-hmm. Lalesio is another one. Uh, the the point you were making before around uh, the makeup of this squad and sort of what Eddie's plan is, I personally think that what he's doing with this is he's playing mind games and it's it's really a rocket under the the butts of the players that weren't named. Those players like James O'Connor, Noah Lalesio and uh, uh, Harry Wilson particularly to say, look, I need to see more from you. And the reason I've included these other players over the top of you so far this season is because they might not necessarily be ahead of you in selection at the moment, but I want to see more from you and I want to see how you respond to this non-inclusion in this yep. squad. Yep. And I think that's a massive part of it. Like the amount of money that RA have probably spent over the last two weeks with um, whatever marketing connection they have with the local butchers around most of the players. So they can send out a whole bunch of sausages to the players who haven't been picked and steaks to those who have. It's really, really interesting because you've got Tate McDermott and Jake Gordon who have both been staples within within Wallaby squads in the Dave Rennie era who have both missed out and deservedly so in a way. Their form hasn't been great and Ryan Lonergan has been very good along with Nick White down at the Brumbies. So you can't like say that neither of those two deserve to be there, but it's interesting that um, one of the McDermott and Gordon aren't there. But then you also have players like Harry Wilson, Noah Lalasiu, James O'Connor, who haven't been included, who you just think, particularly for Wilson, and that is rough. He has mm. been one of the form back rowers so far this season. He's been excellent. And for a squad that doesn't actually, they're not actually playing a game, why not bring Wilson into the fold and change his narrative over the last couple of years to say, mate, we've got our eyes on you. You're valued, you're valuable, and we think you're going to do well. Keep working hard. Was there anything that Eddie said? Now, you did attend the announcement uh, in interview of sorts with Eddie Jones this afternoon. Was there anything that he specifically spoke to around the plays that weren't included? Oh, look, he um he specifically said he would not comment on individual players and why they didn't make the squad. So that was literally the very first thing that he said within within the meeting. Um, but he did provide some broader comments on what he was looking for and what the communication to players who'd missed out was like. So he had um, spoken to around 15 players this morning who hadn't made the squad and he'd given them an indication of what the Wallabies as a broader coaching unit feel those players need to be doing to kind of bang down the door of Wallabies selection. And the basic message was you need to be performing more consistently at a high level and you'll be getting selected because in the Wallabies environment, quote, They'll have to work harder than they've ever worked in their life, end quote. Um, so he obviously wants players to recognize the next level that they need to be going to in terms of their effort on in every element of their professional performance. Now, there are questions already being asked around social media, around a player, Suli Vunavalu particularly, how he makes the squad over a mm. player like Tool who's had a really, really strong start to Super Rugby this year. And Vunuvalu, in in like being realistic, 
has been underwhelming so far. Was there anything that Eddie sort of spoke about either of those, either inclusions or exclusion? Yeah, there were. He um, spoke about Sully. He kind of dodged the fact that Sully's been um, really poor this so far this season. <laughs> he really hasn't shown much. Because uh, other than the fact that he journals... plays league and Eddie Jones just <laughs> frosts the leaguey. Um, a couple of the journos kind of called him on it in, in a in a polite way, but just saying you're picking players on performance. Um, Sully Vanavali perhaps hasn't been in the best of form <laughs> this season, despite his undoubted talent. Can you speak to his inclusion in the squad? Which I thought was a great way of saying it. Um, so basically, <laughs> Eddie just replied, oh, I've seen him at the Storm. I've seen him for Ozze, uh and playing for Queensland. Uh, he's he's an absolute specimen. He's still got a lot of gaps in his game, but we're looking for uh, world-class players and we want to see how they go in, in our Wallabies environment. So <laughs> make of that what you will. Um, maybe he thinks he can get something a bit extra out of Sully or maybe he thinks that this inclusion will kind of spark something within Sully for the remainder of SRP. Who knows? But it is the talking point and it's possibly the best example of him as Eddie Jones, not doing what he said in the lead up. Because if you're picking players on form and performance, you do not pick Sully Vanavali for this Wallaby squad. The other question around that too is Ben Donaldson's inclusion over Noel Alessio. Like Donaldson's been playing fly half and fullback this season. And at the moment, I wouldn't be confident in naming him in either of those positions for the Wallabies. Whereas I yep. feel like Alessio is settled and has performed quite well for the Brumbies in that position. So... Again, whether he's picking on the, that selection on potential rather than actual performance so far is is interesting. Jorgensen's a player as well that's been included in this squad. Was there any comments around him, um, whether he's been included as like a development player who's just there to kind of take in and soak in the atmosphere or whether he really does feature quite heavily in Eddie's plans? Yeah, the question was asked about whether there were any kind of development players within this squad, obviously directed towards uh, Jorgensen. Uh, and Eddie's response was absolutely not. All 33 players are definitely within the frame of World Cup selection. Uh, I don't think there's any other answer that he probably could have given this close to the World Cup. Um, he did say that he really, really liked the pace that Jorgensen offered, the confidence that he has and the skills that he's uh, being able to execute as well. So yeah, he was he was quite complimentary towards Jorgensen. Um, but in terms of uh, Ben Donaldson, he did say that he had really, where are my notes about this? Um, he just said that he plays for Randwick and if you play for Randwick, then you're, you're a wallaby. <laughs> then you're in. Then you're in. Um, he said that he wanted to get a better and closer look at Donaldson. Um, he knew that Donaldson hadn't actually played that many games at 10 so far this season. And so he wanted to um, wanted to have a closer look at him at 10. And yeah, it, it was really interesting because, I mean, whilst Donaldson started all six games for the Waratahs so far this season, a few of them have been at 15. Whilst Noah has only played five and started four games yeah um he's still done relatively well within like i don't think he's set the world on fire so far but yeah. maybe donaldson um maybe eddie thinks that donaldson's like uh ceiling for improvement is higher yeah so that's i think that's kind of where we're at mostly with this squad carter gordon's in there which is good to see i think he's been picked on potential brad wilkin as well or uh been picked on form so far this season it's awesome to see their involvement mm. Was there anything else that Eddie said in that presser that you wanted to just touch on before we finish up and move on? 
Uh, the back three, he's got no particular idea over the specific positions at this point in time. Um, there's still a fair bit of time before the Wallabies even play their first game against um, South Africa. And so we've got we've got a bit of time. And so he's like, I just wanted to get back three players, get them in, take a closer look, and then figure out their specific positions um, a little bit closer to. Um, he was really impressed impressed with Josh Fluke's feel for the game and the way that he's um, kind of in the right places and growing within matches. Um, there was this really well-asked question by uh, Ian Payton, I think it was, who seemed to indicate is um, Brad Wilkins' inclusion as an on-the-ball player indicating some different thinking around number seven, which I thought was a brilliant way of kind of trying to needle in and get something about hoops moving forward because Hooper's form hasn't been um, the greatest in 2023. And he said, look, no, we just need players that are hard on the ball, and Wilkin is one of those options. Uh, McRide also has promise, and he's happy with Hooper's experience and the way he's growing this season. Interesting to note, though, you have three dedicated sevens within the loose forwards. Like, all three of Hooper, McRide, and Wilkin are only sevens. Um, so I think that indicates maybe some more thoughts about Holloway and Hannigan potentially being a lock or, and or six with the expectation that um, players like Swain or some of the overseas options like Arnold or um, 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 other locks who are Skelton. overseas as well, Skelton, Skelton. and the like. Yeah, um, become yep. options too. So that that was just interesting. And then I think lastly around captaincy, um, he doesn't yet have any idea and doesn't really need to have an idea around who the captain will be. He's been working with the senior leadership team that had been under Dave Rennie and he hasn't seen any need to make changes from there. And so they are committed, quote, to being a world-class leadership group no, their commitment to being a world-class leadership group is there, end quote. So it may well be, he also dropped, it may well be they have more than one captain. So I thought that was interesting too. Uh, so Ryan anyway. Lonigan will be captain when he comes oh, off the can bench. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Yeah. Um, and the final thing is he really admired what Hamish uh, McLennan and Andy Marinos are doing from a kind of PR and marketing perspective around the Joseph Suwili'i signing. Uh, he thinks that they've, bought relevance back into the market with the signing of Sueli'i and we're back competing as a major sport in terms of um, like column inches, radio minutes, that kind of thing. Uh, they're talking about rugby and Eddie continued to joke about whether he'll even be around as a coach in 2025 to, to um, <laughs> be coaching Sueli'i if the results don't go his way. So obviously that's just him deflecting deflecting the actual question but it was interesting to see how positive eddie is towards the um towards the signing in a broader sense for rugby the only other point that i've got around this squad is i, I find it really interesting that he hasn't gone with three scrum halves particularly because you can't go to a world cup with only two it's just yeah, sure. under current hia issues one of those other players has to make it and at the moment, whether it's just he doesn't know who that third one is yet, whether it's nah, just... he had a clear fun. answer. He had a clear answer for this. Um, he said that they're only going to have two 45-minute training sessions across the two days or a few days in camp. And so he just wants basically every player that's there, particularly if you're a specialized position like a scrum half, to just to just play. And so he only wanted right. two scrum halves in the squad. Okay, interesting. Cool. Yep. And then Final was there anything else around Arnold? Exactly, exactly where I was going to go. Yeah. Yep. Where's um, he come so, from? Completely out of the blue. 
Yeah, so he said that um, when he was over in France, he caught up with Hugo, Hugo Monnier, who is the coach of, uh, I think it's Toulouse, that Richie Arnold plays for, um, whoever Hugo Monnier coaches. Um, and he said he had a catch up with him. He'd been tracking Richie's progress and been really positive. Um, and so wanted to kind of include him within that overseas playing um, connection. But then he also said about Rory Arnold, quote, we don't pick players who don't play rugby, end quote. Another quote, isn't he working on a factory line making hinos, end quote, um, because if like his Rory Arnold's team has self-withdrawn from um, the top league uh, because what uh, one of their players got caught with a whole bunch of drugs, um, taking drugs, so issues. because of the, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like cocaine related. Um, because of that, the whole team as a kind of like self-enforced punishment have withdrawn from the competition. So Rory Arnold's not playing rugby and he hasn't even bothered to come back to Australia to keep playing rugby. So maybe there's more to that story as to why he hasn't come back, even temporary, just on a loan basis to keep playing. But he said, mate, we're not going to pick him if he's not playing rugby. And it was a pretty, uh, pretty direct attack. Well, not attack, uh, pretty harsh and direct comment, I'll say. Yep. It's fair enough too. I mean, there's yep. uh, from what I've heard, RA has made contact with him and offered, and just to start that conversation, and he's just shut it down. So, uh, I guess in their in their eyes, look, if he's not wanting to come back and play even on a short term when the opportunity's there, why should you be getting a spot in the World Cup over someone who is playing in Australia and, and putting that commitment into the Super Rugby? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, any other thoughts, or shall we move across now to? The Super W and the weekend's performances. Mate, as much as we could talk about the Wallabies for another 20, 30 minutes, we do have to move on. Otherwise, it's going to be a super long one. So why don't we keep on going? Yeah, let's keep going. All right, moving now to the next part of the pod, we're going to track through the Super W round two and then Super Rugby Pacific round six. Now, Super W. Three games per weekend. The first match, Reds versus the Force, 29-14. Second game, Drua versus the Rebels, 39-12. And the third match, the Brumbies versus the Waratahs, 13-24. We're going to start with the last game. And Mitch, you were down at GIO Stadium in Canberra for the Brumbies versus the Waratahs. What were yep. your kind of first, first thoughts about this game being there in person? Yeah, I guess the first thing is the Brumbies women's team has really come a long way in its last like off season. They really pushed the Waratahs women and held them for long periods of time. Uh, we've seen in the past that the Waratahs women seem to be a bit of a step above the other teams in the comp, uh, but that through whatever it is, through like personnel changes or just the evening of talent across the board, the other teams are coming up and, and are competing well. So the Brumbies women definitely were in this game for the majority of it. Yeah, brilliant. And that was one of the things that I kind of took away was the the improvement within the Brumbies team. They Their defense and their line out were significant, uh, in, in, have improved significantly. The They kept the drawer last week to what was it, 12, only scoring 12 points or something like that, 12 7 loss. Yeah, it's like 12 um, 7 or something. Yeah, 12 7 or 12 5. Um, it was really, really low scoring. And so. Uh, across these two games, they've shown a significant improvement in their defensive uh, connections and being able to actually compete with teams for longer periods within the match. Although the Tars, in my mind, had more strike power in the wide attack, they 
really weren't able to exert the dominance that we would normally see in kind of the scrums, the lineouts, and through their in-tight carries. They gained a bit of parity in tight, but then they weren't dominant as I would have come to expect. So that was really interesting to see how much the Brumbies have improved. Yep. And um, shout out as well to Piper Duck, the captain of the Western, uh, the Waratahs women's team. It's her birthday today. So uh, hey, happy, birthday happy birthday to her and uh, well done on leading the team well. Saw her exactly. walking through the stadium about half time of the men's game and sort of gave her a bit of a pat on the back, which was cool to see as well. <laughs> awesome. Um, just a couple of shout outs as well. Maya Stewart got a double. Georgina Frederick setting up incredibly well for the second try. Um, Ella Ryan scored a great try within the first half with a massive dummy. And she would have enjoyed that moment having previously played for the Brumbies, now having come over to the Waratahs. And um, I think it's Caitlin Hulse. Caitlin Hulsey went won the game in a 76th minute with an incredible try, um, taking the ball out wide, drifting but then accelerating through a gap. Did it incredibly well, 16 years of age. Can't emphasize that enough. Uh, so Mitch, are you all good if I quickly run through the other two games from the weekend? Yeah, go for it. All right, sweet. So the first game of the weekend was the Reds versus the Force, 29-14 to the Reds. Um, it was a pretty close run match despite the final scoreline. The Reds were only winning by five with 20 minutes to go. And it was pretty impressive from the Force to keep the Reds that close, uh, considering that the Force have struggled over the last couple of seasons. Shows some pleasing improvement for them. Uh, the Reds are going to be pretty happy that their improved match fitness enabled them to finish strong. That has been an area of focus for them this season. And they were really helped with the experience from Shannon Parry to help uh, within those final few minutes. She scored a great meat pie there. One quick shout out I will say to Queensland Rugby is jump onto YouTube and search for Under the Surface Queensland Reds. It is a really, really good kind of behind the scenes docuseries about the Queensland Reds Super W team. Uh, got two episodes out at the moment. So really well done. Gives you lots of great insight about the team, their goals for the season and a lot of the kind of personalities and characters within that squad. So yeah, highly recommend watching that. And then the awesome. Drua versus the Rebels. Um, Drew a 39, Rebels 12. Look, it was an improvement last week for the Rebels, but it still wasn't good enough, obviously, against the Drua, who were a quality side. I'm going to say, mate, the defense was really concerning. Um, there was the first try to the Drua was in like the sixth or seventh minute of the game, and it came off a line out where the, I won't name the player because I don't want to name and shame, but one of the Rebels players at the back of the lineout literally walked after hitting the ground to their position where they were meant to be defending the tail of the lineout and a Fijiana player <laughs> just ran straight through it, like ran straight through <laughs> the gap that that player should have been in. It's and I was just thinking, judgment. oh, it was just, I don't know what it was. Maybe she didn't know that's, she forgot in that moment, that's where she needed to be. So there wasn't that urgency, but she was literally was walking. New call. Oh, Still I don't know. I want there yeah. to be some reason other than just laziness or something. Um, so hopefully, yeah, I don't hopefully think this... anyone could be could be sort of accused of laziness at this level. But in, yeah, in no, I reckon it's just a defense game in the sixth. Yeah, defensive <laughs> error. Or I thought I was meant to be out of the line out, and oh no, this is the one that I'm in. So I better get in there and. Do that. Oh yeah, who knows? But look. 
the Drua were just running such strong, hard unders lines that when the Rebels players were tired, they weren't able to get across and make effective tackles. So the Drua are either making breaks or getting offloads away, and the Rebels just couldn't keep up with that. So, uh, yeah, well done from the Drua. Some general improvement from the Rebels who got who experienced a pretty hefty defeat last week. Um, so a little bit of improvement from them, and hopefully we see more moving forward. But, mate, that's my quick wrap-up for the Super W. Now, I want to shout out to all New South Wales fans. Next weekend, the Waratahs men's team has a bye. So they won't be playing, but the Waratahs women are playing the Fijiana in Drua in Sydney, Concord Oval on Saturday, the 8th of April, 3.05 p.m. Make Mm -hmm. sure you get there. This is going to be an absolute treat of a game. Uh, The two leading teams in this competition going at it, rematch from last year's final. The the Fijiana team's definitely going to be up for it, but the Waratahs women are going to be even more... Uh, up and wanting to get revenge on their first ever loss in Super W history last year in the final. So if you can, make sure you do get there. Cracking new stadium, brand new facilities, um, Easter long weekend, no excuses really. I'm going to be there with my uh, eldest. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we've got a family lunch at 12 and we'll be leaving that straight on the dot at two to get out there in time. So very excited. Both being our Waratahs kit ready to cheer the girls on. Awesome. That is so good to hear. Well done, Ando. So let's uh, let's now move across to the Super Rugby Pacific, the men's game. Um, round six, the results. We'll quickly run through those, and then we might jump into a few points from some of the games. Uh, so we had on Friday night, Moana Pacifica hosting the Highlanders in Auckland. 17-45 was the final score there to the Highlanders. We then had the Reds up against the Crusaders. Crusaders too good there, 25-12 to against the Reds. Uh, on Saturday afternoon, we had the Fijian... Uh, it drew up hosting the Melbourne Rebels. Now, this one was hotly contested in the tips, but it did end up going the Drewers' way, 38-28 in that result. We then had the New Zealand Derby, Chiefs versus Blues. Chiefs coming over the chocolates there, 20-13. to We then had the game of the round, which I was lucky enough to attend in person, and that was the Waratahs and the Brumbies down in Canberra. Brumbies absolutely breaking hearts of all New South Wales fans, getting the victory there, 40-36 to in Somewhat controversial uh, circumstances, which we will get to <laughs> a little bit later. And then we had finishing off this afternoon, a game that the score itself looks a lot tighter than I think the game actually was. But final score, 45 to 42, Hurricanes against the Force. Hurricanes getting the victory there. Force doing really well to hang on for the bonus point right at the end. Yep. Yeah, and I think we'll just start with that last game. I'd actually um, been watching that this afternoon. I was, I was kind of having a nana nap um, on the couch and, and had the rugby on. And I, I just was... got seriously bored by like the last 15 minutes of the game. I was like, man, this is just a whitewash. The force defensively just haven't been particularly impressive. The Canes are just absolutely romping. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to turn it off. And then they go ahead and score three tries in the final 10 minutes to get to get a losing bonus point uh so that was that was very surprising when i saw the final score i was like oh my gosh what happened uh so i mean i mean credit to the force in that one uh and somewhat bit of egg on the hurricane's face full time the hurricanes got a penalty and decided to run it and i think it was like three or four maybe five minutes into extra time yeah five the force ended up turning it over and then scoring the try which got them that bonus point so all the Hurricanes needed to do was tap it and kick it out, but instead they were pushing on to try and get away from the uh, bonus point and ended up conceding one. So, yep. uh, yeah, hopefully the Hurricanes can learn from that that you just need to keep the ball out sometimes. Yeah, a couple of comments about the um, about the force. I think 
what what they've shown within this game is that they do have some really strong attacking weapons, particularly um, Kiribiji has been playing really, really well. Chase TUT is having his moments, even though he gave away a yellow card as well. Um, he's been having his moments of involving himself really, really impressively. But the thing that I'm just concerned with is just, just they're consistently leaking points. And when we when whenever anybody talks about like game line analytics and teamwork index and all that jazz the determining factor about players who haven't played together very much is a defensive shape and the defensive ability and the fact that the force are leaking points so consistently um is really concerning like the early parts of the game the canes were slicing through them way too easily uh in ways that they really really shouldn't have so I think that's got to be an area that they need to be picking and sticking more and just giving as much possible game time to whatever they think the best 15 is and just stop chopping and changing. Um, but also the Canes are going to be really, really up against it next week. They've got Aiden Morgan out with concussion. I'm not sure how long he's going to be out for if he's available this coming week. Ruben Love was already out with a groin injury, but now Brett Cameron, who was a starting 10, looked like he had a really serious injury in the second half. Um, he was in a lot of pain, managed to walk off the field. Um, but it might well be that they don't actually have like a natural number 10 for the next couple of games. And I think they've got the Chiefs and uh, I can't remember who else, but they've got some pretty hefty games coming up soon. Uh, yeah, I've got it up here. So next week, the Hurricanes play the Highlanders and then the following week, they play the Chiefs. So yep, okay. hopefully they Highlanders can get the over Chiefs. the Highlanders pretty easy and then sort of limp their way into the Chiefs who are on red hot fire at the moment. I guess if we talk a little bit around um, that idea of cohesion and just leaking points left, right and center, Moana Pacifica, that first game mm. of the weekend against the Highlanders. Jeez, yep. it's not getting any easier for Moana. They, they looked... In some ways, they looked better in patches last year than they've put in performances this year. I was expecting this game to be a lot closer uh, than the end-up score being the Highlanders. They're starting to get a bit of a flow on. They've played well the last two weeks, but you wouldn't say the Highlanders have played well over the rest of this season. And so this was really one that the Moana should have had penciled in the calendar that they could have caused an upset and, and put in a good performance. But again, it just didn't happen. Yeah, and I think it's just going to show how much other teams have also improved. I don't think Moana have particularly gotten worse, but I don't think they've improved at the same rate as the other teams. And the main difference that I'm seeing between the Fijian and Drua and Moana Pacifica is that um, home ground advantage that the Drua have playing in Fiji. They've already had two home games. Moana are playing the majority of their home games out of Mount Smart Stadium in Auckland. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think they've got a two games um that they're going to be playing in Samoa is that correct Appia yep Appia yep okay um so they've got a couple of games they're going to be playing like back home home but it's it's just it's not good enough for them they need to be having as many home games as they can back in Samoa or Tonga and basically be connecting with their communities and connecting with their supporter base that way because you see what it does for the Drua. They were able to get on top of the Crusaders and Pants, the Rebels as well, um, pretty pretty effectively playing at home. So that's, that's just one of the basic things that I think has to change for them as a team and an organisation moving forward. I'm sure there's a lot of complexity within that, but just from an external perspective, it's something that I think needs to change for them. Yeah, it's a tough one. That complexity comes down to basically that Moana Pacifica is currently owned by New Zealand Rugby, and so there's no independence there, whereas the Fijian and Drua is most like 80% owned by Fiji Rugby, 
with a bit of support from the Australian um, Institute of Sport or the Australian government. So, yeah, there's a lot of complexity behind the scenes around that. Uh, but you would hope by this point in the season, second year, full pre-season, that they would start to be putting in a bit more better performances than they're currently doing, which is unfortunate. Uh, if we move across to the next mate, game, the Reds... I'll, and I'll the quickly Crusaders. just comment... Sorry, mate, I'm doing a U and I'm going to quickly jump in with one comment right yep. at the end. Um, 17 to 19, half-time score. 17-45, full-time score. 26 unanswered second-half points. I mean, that's obviously not good enough, but it just shows the challenge that the Moana Pacific team has facing, uh, keeping up with teams in the second half. So, yep, thanks. Definitely. Um, so, the second game on Friday night, Reds hosting the Crusaders 25 to 12. What were your thoughts around this game? Uh, say that again, you just cut out. Which match? Oh, Reds and Crusaders, 25 to 12. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, Reds, Crusaders, this one was interesting. Like, on another night, the Reds could have won this game. They really, really could have. And so they're going to be disappointed with their performances um, across the across the match. Like, there's some parts where the Reds did really well. Their back row was excellent. I thought Tate McDermott probably had his best game that he's had so far this season. James O'Connor had moments of being good, but also some pretty poor decision-making at key opportunities as well. Um, Isaac Henry, Josh Fluke were also impressive throughout. But I just want to say I, ha- I copped a little bit of flack for our Wallabies team, right, for including <laughs> Ned Hannigan in as one of the four locks that we'd chosen. Um, and my argument was, well, who name me another fit and inform lock within Australian rugby. Um, and a couple of people were saying Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith at the moment is a massive penalty magnet and I don't think he's making the right decisions at the right times. And there's no better example than the opening try for Fyanga and Nuku. So that comes after um, there's like a midfield rock, balls taken up, tackle happens, center of the field about like, I don't know, 35 meters out, 40 meters out. And Ryan Smith's one of the forwards who's meant to be folding and should be the pillar. Um, But he ends up, going in and trying to compete at the ruck after the ball's already been won by the Crusaders. And he takes himself out of the defensive line. And so then Willie Hines just comes around and pops the ball off for Fungo Anuku to run in basically untouched underneath the posts. And that genuinely was Ryan Smith's just decision-making within that moment or, or just wanting to overcommit within uh, trying to put some ruck pressure on the Crusaders. So I think he's a great, I think he's a good player and he's he's a great guy from his podcast and all the stuff I've seen from him. Um, but I think he's he's got a lot to work on in terms of decision-making uh, within tight moments. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of inexperience within the Reds was their downfall within this game. What were your thoughts around the decision to go for the sticks? I think they got a penalty in like the 71st minute or the 70, 69th minute. Uh, Score ends up being 25 25 to 12. It still was at that time. Mm -hmm. Then they get a penalty and they go for post and then they miss it. What's going through the minds of the players in that decision there? 25-12 goes to 25-15. So you're still down two scores with 10-ish minutes to go. 12, 19. Yeah, you should have gone for the try because then if you get the converted try, you're at least within a bonus point. So you get that bonus That's point. That's right. Bonus point. So look, I don't know. I'm not in the field. I haven't had to ever make a decision like that before. <laughs> um, I personally think it was the wrong one, but maybe there's some better justification on their end. And it only gets compounded because they missed the kick. So <laughs> That's right. Help. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, there is a contentious point that's come up in this game around the legalities around scoring tries, and we will talk about that a little bit later when we get to the locker room. So don't yep. worry, fans, we'll get to that. We won't focus on that now. Uh, final two games of the weekend, Chiefs and Blues, not much to say there other than the Chiefs really uh, played better in the conditions. It was a pretty wet and and morbid game, that one, but the Chiefs came away with the Chockeys there and well done for um, taking the Blues off. Yep. Yeah, I just want to quickly say that Damian McKenzie absolutely outplayed Bowden Barrett in kind of the all-black 10 stakes. And so at this point, it's between Richie Mwanga, probably the front runner because of his recent experience playing at 10 for the all-blacks, and then DMAC is next in line. Uh, Bowden Barrett was poor. He Did you see him um, stepping out and bombing that try within like the 17th minute or something like that? <laughs> um, it was yep. so amateur. From a player of his quality to do that, um, he he will never let's, do that. Uh, let's not get too ahead of ourselves there. You, the legalities around Fakedi's try in the Waratahs game. No, the ball was Could down. Come... Ball was down before his arm. I don't know. No, definitely I don't, don't know. try and compare them. Anyway. They are not the same. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, that was bad. That was bad from Bowden. And he missed a couple of pretty easy sitters as well. So DMAC is just in great form at the moment. And Bowden hasn't started the way that um, I was hoping he would when I picked him first in my fantasy team. <laughs> Ouch. Unfortunate. Uh, and then the final game, Fiji over the Rebels, 38-28. I went the Rebels this game. I was expecting them to sort of roll on with the form that they have come into this game. Fiji last week, not the best performance, but... They scored like three tries in the opening 15 minutes and just Mm. looked absolutely on fire. No team can give the Fijians that amount of space and that amount of lead, particularly when you're playing them in Fiji. Yeah, so with the the Rebels game, I just thought that they were a little bit too eager to play an up-tempo game and so that fed into them Drew's hands the early intercept try I think it was the second try of the game um just showed the Rebels just being a little bit too ready to go wide when they needed to earn it earn it more by going keeping the ball in tight and yeah the Rebels have shown how tough they are with their combativeness particularly when just trucking a ball up tight I reckon they should have played that a bit more and tried to wear the Drewer down yeah, uh, it was unfortunate. There's a lot of people that were talking on socials around this game sort of being like a fork in the road for the Rebels. They win this game, they move on and they start talking about a great season and where that projects them to. They lose this game and they sort of fall back in the pack and we start to sort of see that narrative starting to form again of Aussie teams with potential but not being able to capitalise on that in games. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is unfortunate. The Rebels didn't play badly. But again, as you said, Hando, building on that point, they just didn't capitalise on the opportunities that were presented to them um, and they fell into the trap of playing Fiji and rugby in Fiji, which you can't do. You've got to really take your own game and try and dictate terms against the Fijian. Slow the ball down, keep it in tight, don't throw it around, don't try and get into that Fijian style, which we've seen when teams go to Fiji and try to do that, it doesn't work and the Fijians end up just counterattacking and scoring points off intercepts and, and breakaways and all that kind of thing. Yep. All right, I think that's time now. Then let's dive into our fans match of the week. And that has to be the Waratahs and the Brumbies. Now, this was unfortunately won by the Brumbies, 40 to 36. An absolute screamer of a game. Fantastic. Uh, A lot of people calling this the game of the season so far this year. Definitely the best Aussie derby so far this year. I was lucky enough to be in Canberra for it. Fantastic atmosphere. 
somewhat big crowd, I'll say, I guess, ten, just over 10,000 people there in attendance, which was good for Canberra. Uh, you were at home, Ando, watching this on the TV. What were your sort of general thoughts of, of that experience? Yeah, look, I got to the end of the match and I was really frustrated that we'd lost, um, but I thought it was a brilliant game. I really enjoyed watching the game as a whole. Some of the tries were magnificent. Um, both teams played it in a like the right spirit. You know, it was brutal, it was hard, but there was no foul play. I think at, at any point throughout the game, it was all a couple of high shots, but that was just from tall people not bringing their sh- um, arms down against small. Oh, people. I mean, um, the, the Hooper's try was quite cynical. Oh yeah, uh, Hooper's yellow. I mean. <laughs> Right. He had a couple of those actually. He's yeah, he's in a mood yeah. or something. Um, but either way, I just really enjoyed it. So um, when I got into bed, my wife was like, "Oh, how how the Waratahs go?" I was like, "We lost, but it was a good game." So I actually enjoyed watching it. So that was kind of my broader thing. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't drive three and a half hours down there to to have to drive back, so I'm happy. <laughs> I would have been so filthy. I was thinking of driving down and up, uh, down and back in kind of the one night for the game. I'm so glad I didn't just because it would have been filthy uh, being at the ground. I got to say, like actually being there, I, I didn't expect the Tars to put in this type of performance. I didn't expect them to push the Brummies as far as they did and to really lead the game up into like the 65th, 70th minute. So I was really proud of the way they performed and the sort of tempo and upbeat style of rugby that they played. Uh, but I guess it just goes to show that you need to do your basics right when you're playing a team like the Brumbies. They will punish you one or two things wrong and they'll score points. And we saw that with Ben Donaldson just not find, or finding touch um, on the full which from that kick, which ended up putting the Brumbies down in, into their 22 and they ended up scoring that try at the end there. So um, really good to see that the development of this Waratahs team and how they're starting to form a style of play in the last few games. But again, they're just not able to finish off those tight games and to really sort of see games out. Mm. Mm. And I think it's a challenging one because the Brumbies just had a better bench and they were exerting so much pressure upon the um, Waratahs, particularly at scrum time. We we were really, really struggling to deal with their pressure. I mean, the two yellow cards to Harry Johnson-Holmes and um, both are. Botha, Daniel Botha, yep. um, at the, what, 31st and 32nd minute of the game just showed how much pressure the Waratahs were under. But how lucky was that um, that call from Nick, it was Nick Berry, the ref, um, regarding yep. the the obstruction from um, Caden Neville getting in front of, I think it was Nick Frost who'd received Lucky. The it was lucky. Don't get me wrong. It was legal, like by the law, correct, and completely agree. But man, that would happen so many times in malls. Uh, the only thing I can say around that is that Nick Berry must listen to the podcast because I can remember sitting here last week and talking about three tries that Brumby scored where that same thing happened, where Frost or Neville ended up in front of the ball carry and it was play on and tries awarded. So yep. I, I think, hi, Nick. I think it, it was 100% correct and I was happy. Yep, well, I'm glad that we're influencing Super Rugby Pacific refereeing. Uh, please just make sure Hi, more of it Thanks goes in the Waratahs. Yeah, more in the Waratahs' favour, please. Let's talk about... Um, oh, geez, what do we want to talk about in this game? There's just so much to talk about. Waratahs' discipline. Now, that's something... When you look at the penalty count in this game, 16 to 6. 16 penalties given away by the Waratahs, 6 by the Brumbies, 3 yellow cards. Hmm. No team is going to win a Super Rugby game, particularly at this level with that amount of ill-discipline and giving away those many penalties. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's as simple as that. I mean, a few of them came in that kind of 30 minute period where we were down the end of um, basically just defending our line against scrum after scrum. And so we considered three or four within that kind of phase of play, which was really kind of concerning. But also we had um, a couple that I thought were pretty like pretty unlucky at different points throughout the game, pretty marginal. Um, Like, you know, the final um, ruck of the game where Jake Gordon goes in to try and steal the ball. I watched that back a few times and like he freaking released it. He definitely released the tackled player and went in and got the ball and he should have had rights to that. But um, Nick Berry was a little bit blocked with what he could see from where he was. So it must have looked like he hadn't. Anyway, so there were a few marginal ones there, but 16 doesn't lie, does it? So even if maybe two or three are marginal, like Hooper somehow in the statistics that I'm seeing, Hooper somehow has come away with not having any penalties against his name, just one yellow card. He he had a few moments of no, being that's pretty... Wrong. That's definitely wrong. There was at least that... There was one scrum right before they gave the yellow card where Hooper comes through. The scrum sort of wheels and, and Hooper ends up the kicking out. the ball out yeah. of the... Yeah. Yeah, and so he, he penalizes Hooper for that. I think technically, I think it was penalized for standing up or wheeling in the scrum but Hooper yeah. was also at fault there yeah correct so I think he got away with not having that on a record sheet I think um Botha got that because he's got two penalties and one yellow card <laughs> poor guy um so I thought that yeah. was harsh I was really I thought it was really harsh for him like yes understand the Waratahs were in the in the D zone they're giving away multiple penalties no issue with the yellow card being given for repeated infringements particularly at scrum time but it was a short arm penalty. It was a pre-engagement thing. And he's given me a yellow card straight away. I was like, oh, at least, like, it needs, does it not need to be a full arm offense to have a yellow card given? <laughs> Tough, man. Uh, one of the things that the yeah. style of play that the Waratahs were trying to emulate was that New Zealand, that Kiwi style of in the in the D zone, when you're in your 22 and you're on your line to to give away a few penalties and to... Be okay with doing that as long as you're not conceding points. Mm. Now, it's it's definitely a work in progress for this Waratahs team, and they will take they do they do can genuinely take a lot of um, comfort out of the way that they were able to when they got down to 13 men. As you said before, it was lucky that that try got overturned through the um, the, into the obstruction in the mall. But they ended up getting the ball up the other end of the field and scoring a try when they were two players yep. down. So that's all, that's a massive effort from the Waratahs to do that. Yeah, and yeah, it sorry, was just you, really, really did you say something? No, you just cut out a tiny bit then, but we're all good. We're all good. Um, yeah, it just shows that momentum is a real thing within games. And so for the Waratahs to be able to hold the Brumbies out within that moment, get the get the somewhat fortunate decision by the AR um, about the obstruction and then go up the other end and Jed Holloway barges over um, for a try. That was just a massive, massive moment within the game. And so um, the Waratahs were able to basically have a 14-point turnaround in a way. Um, but then soon afterwards, just before the uh, just before the break, James Slipper goes over for the first of his two tries. Not enough can be said. He was so close to getting a hat trick as well, except he knocked the ball on just at the bottom of the, the base of a ruck. So he was so close to getting as a prop, probably his first and only ever hat trick. And I'm wondering if that's his first ever double within a game. It, it, ha- it would have to be 
a prop's first ever hat-trick in Super Rugby, right? I can't think of another prop that scored three tries in a game. Sure, Hookers, that's a stat. Yes, props. That's a stat for us. Okay, come on, people. Yeah. Who has, who's the most recent prop to have uh, scored a hat-trick within Super Rugby Pacific? That'll be really interesting to find out. Yep. It'd be one of those blowout games against like the Southern Kings where the score ends up being like 56 or 76 to four or five. Be one of those games, I reckon, where that might have happened, possibly. where everyone's got at least one try. Look, there were some there were there were some massive moments within this game. So obviously, um, James Slipper did incredibly well within this match, and he really kind of solidified himself as uh, basically the best Australian, one of the best Australian props uh, running around, um, and just an absolute legend within a Brumby sphere. Sphere, but also you had that incredible break by Lalakai Fakedi and Izzy Parisi chased down by Corey Tool and Len Ikatau. I was just amazed by it. It was it was brilliant rugby for the break to occur off a turnover anyway for Fakedi to get that far. He's not slow and he was running as fast as he body well could. He's a pretty quick guy. He's had a few breaks before and Tool was able to run him down, but then Ikatau never gave up. And so when um the pass was made to Parisi on the inside. Ikatau was there, made the tackle, got up, got the turnover straight away. Absolutely brilliant play. And even as a Waratahs fan, I was applauding it, just recognizing how good rugby that was. At the game, I couldn't actually see, because we were down the other end where they started it. So I just saw them take off in front of me and I'm up there cheering, riding him home. All the yep. way, boys, all the way. Yep. And then he gets tackled short. And I didn't even see Tor coming across and cover defense. And I was, oh, no. Uh, there, were, there was a few cheeky Brumbies fans who chose that moment to actually get up and cheer back at me. So uh, well done <laughs> to them, I guess, that they had something to cheer about in that moment. Um, and in that moment. To that point, the Waratahs had kind of been dominating the, the sort of the tempo of the game. Yeah, they really had. And so it just showed um, kind of within the first 15 to 20 minutes, and the Waratahs have actually started quite slowly this season, but they got up to a 14-point lead up until Ikatao's first try in the 22nd minute off that Tamati Tua grubber, which was really well done. Really enjoyed watching that as well. Um, and so then when the second half came along, um, it was try to Fakedi, try to Slipper, try to, to Nwangani Tawase, try to Samu, um, and then Lockie Lonigan uh, got a try and then the Brumbies were able to bring it home with a final one to Corey Toole. But they only took the lead for the very first time in the 65th minute of the game. And even then, the Waratahs were in the lead again in the 72nd minute of the game through a penalty to Ben Donaldson. So yeah. it was up in only in the last four minutes of the game with that Corey Toole try in the 76th minute that they actually were in a good kind of position uh, and looked pretty comfortable in a way. So it's really brilliant game to watch. One for the neutrals. And if you're listening or watching, ladies and gentlemen, go back and watch this game on a full replay on stand. Incredible. Yeah. That, as a Waratahs fan, loved it. Really, really And make sure you pause it. I think it was 49.36 on the coverage <laughs> because you might you see me up dancing sc- after uh, Fakedi or was no one it was the Fakedi try? No one needs to watch that try. Yeah. Was no it that try? Okay, I can't remember who it was. I was too busy cheering. Oh wait, no. If it's 49th minute, you're right. It was a Fakedi try. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, like I've got that saved on my wall. I've printed it off. Don't, that's it's gone straight <laughs> to the fridge. 
How good, how good. Straight straight to the pool room, mate. Well done. Um, mate, this game was really entertaining. Absolutely loved it. Uh, a couple of players that I think really stood out. We're seeing more from Corey Toole um, being able to influence the games at different points. Uh, really interesting point of conversation with uh, Toole, though, was brought up by Nelson Dale from Draft Rugby, who was pointing out the statistics of his defense. So he has a 60% tackle success record, which is just really poor (laughs) in all honesty it's really bad and sure sometimes players will shoot up out of the line miss a tackle but they've done enough to slow it down for their job to be done to kind of slow the play down and allow cover defense to get across and no like Ches and Colby would often do that for South Africa um but I mean 60% is really really not good uh any other players that you thought were standout or any other talking points from this game yeah, I think Mark Nwonganiwasi is going strength to strength at the moment, and and that try that he grubbed through and regathered himself was just pure, just freakishness. Like that wasn't a team try at all. He took it all in his hands and and finished it off superbly. Um, I thought Jed Holloway and Ned Hannigan in the second row were fantastic for the Waratahs, and that's something that we've seen this year from the Brumbies is their set piece and their lineup particularly has just been going from strength to strength. But both players in this game were able to get a few steals against the feed um, and were really contesting at that at the at the line out and, and doing really, really strongly there. So that was awesome to see. Yeah, brilliant. Well, mate, like I said before, I've repeated it ad nauseum. My body loved this game. It was so much fun to watch. <laughs> um, and it was a really great moment. Uh, my eldest stayed up and watched the first half and really, really enjoyed watching it with me, which I was stoked for. And I was talking to him just being That's happy. awesome. Do you reckon you want to play some? Do you want to play rugby? I don't think you're enjoying soccer that much. Would you want to give rugby a go? And he was he was he was interested <laughs> in the idea. So we might see if I can get a conversion happening, uh, a convert to the great game. So what's interesting now for both of these two teams moving forward, and just before we move off that point, I know that was oh, that's awesome. I do hope we can get another rugby player there for the Anderson family. <laughs> Hopefully, um, we'll work on that together. Uh, but what happens now for these teams moving forward? So the Waratahs now have a bye. And the Reds move into a game against the uh, the Reds up at Suncorp. So it's unfortunate in some ways that the Waratahs do have a bye because these last two games, they've really actually started to take a lot of leaps and steps forward in progression. And they probably have in the first four games this season. Uh, it's one thing, Dan, Darren Common specifically said so in the break, that he probably wants to keep the plays progressing and keep that momentum going into the game. Having a week off now, is going to halt that momentum as they come up against the force in mm. two weeks' time. Yep. The Brumbies, on the other hand, have played and have travelled a fair bit these last few weeks. I think Bernie Larkham said in his press conference too that this is their second six-day turnaround um, and they've got four or five this year. So they go up to um, Brisbane. Yep, the Do you think the Brumbies can continue their momentum? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that they'll be too good for the Reds. Um, I've already put my tips in for next week, which is great. Uh, so <laughs> I think... The I, Reds, think the I Brumbies... mean, realistically, the Reds did push the Brumbies last time as well. Yeah, true, true. It, it depends if the Brumbies are going to be resting any of their players considering a short turnaround. Um, but yeah, I just think, again, the Brumbies are, are too strong. They are... Um, I think their forward pack is too dominant against the Reds. I think the front row difference between the two sides is... Uh, too strong. I think the back line is actually pretty evenly matched, though. I will say that. Um, not having Eric Simone there is pretty significant. And um, yeah, neither neither of the 10s have been particularly on form 
for either side. The thing that I think will count against the Reds is that Clyde Thomas is a massive drop-off from Ryan Monaghan um, in terms of kind of the, the impact from the bench. I think the Brumbies had a better bench, so that'll that'll count for them in the latter parts of what will what will be a tight game. And that that's something I've really enjoyed watching so far this year with the Brumbies, that they have both White, Lonigan and Debrasini and Alessio, and that they can interchange that. And that happened in this game, that when those mm. two came on, so when Debrasini and uh, Lonigan came on, the tempo lifted yep, and big time. The, they, the Brumbies were able to get the victory from that. And there's not a whole lot of other teams in Australian rugby, Australian super rugby at the moment that have that ability to bring on two impactful backs like that, which is awesome. Yeah, just looking at the um, kind of run home for the Brumbies because we're kind of halfway through the season now, nearly halfway through the season. Um, and they've got Reds away, Drew at home, Canes away, Rebels away, Highlanders at home, Force away, Chiefs at home, Brumbies at home, uh, Rebels at home. So from that, they really should be getting one, two, they should be able to beat the Reds, the Drua, the Rebels, the Highlanders, the Force, and the Rebels again. So they should be getting six wins from their final eight games as what I would be expecting of them. Um, and it's just the Canes and the Chiefs, which are going to be the ones that are particularly tricky for them. So they've they've got a really good chance of finishing top two, top three within this competition because teams like the Canes, they have won, I think, five matches so far, but they've all been against lower-ranked teams. So, yeah, I think I think the Brumbies have got themselves into a really good position. This is round six. I think the Canes have lost more than that. I think Aren't they five and one? I might be wrong. It doesn't matter. I think they've lost two, haven't they? Super no, rugby. Let's, um, let's finish up there. No, five and one. I was let's right. Let's finish up so. there and move. <laughs> All right. Calm down. Jeez. <laughs> you got one thing right. Well done. Thank you. I, I am. I'm Let's move into our uh, locker room segment now. So you run us through this. Yep. Uh, we've had a few questions that have come in on social media. All right, cool. So for the locker room, firstly, can we say a big thank you to Vintage Red 25 uh, He says, the Reds were diabolical and didn't deserve to win. But still, why was Willie Hines' try legal? I thought it was obstruction because the halfback was not attempting to clear the ball. This one's pretty interesting. Um, I don't think the Reds were diabolical personally. Uh, I thought that they did enough to kind of be, be pretty close within the game and on another night could have won. But Mitch, was it obstruction? Was Willie Hines able to just kind of, at the back of the ruck, just pick it up and move it forward and no Reds players were allowed to kind of get near because of the weird position of the ruck? I mean, this is one of those areas of the law book where there, and there is so many of this, the grey area, that it doesn't specifically say anywhere in the law book that you have to remove the ball from a ruck in order for it to be considered like playable or in play. Mm. So technically what he did was allowed. Whether it's fair on the other on the other hand, I don't think it is. There's no way legally that the Reds can stop that try happening. You can't pick the ball up with your hands. You can't kick it out. You can't come around the side and pick it up because it's not out. You can't do anything. You can't go off your feet. You can't tackle him because he hasn't picked the ball out of the ruck. There's actually no way that you can legally stop it. So I think there needs to be an amendment to the law that says you have to play the ball or remove it from a ruck before you can score. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I think that idea of removing it from the ruck before you can score is important, and that's probably a good um, that's probably good language that you can be putting around it. 
I looked into whether or not it's obstruction because that was the language that Vintage Red had used. And the mm. um, obstruction does not count in that circumstance according to the law book, which I have open in, in front of me. Um, so, yeah, obstruction doesn't come into play. Uh, it would only be considered obstruction in that situation if the scrum half had picked the ball up and then run into the players in the breakdown. So if yeah, he had correct. picked the ball up and then made contact with the breakdown while scoring, that's considered obstruction. But he technically yep. didn't even pick the ball up. He kind of just pro- propelled it forward. Yeah. Um, yep. So again, like it's a technicality. Is it fair? I don't think so. I'd love to see that kind of area of the game cleared up a little bit because otherwise you do that every time. The pick and drive is dead. We might as well shut down. There's no, no, no need for a pick and drive anymore. You can just propel balls forward from the middle of a rock. Drag the ball on the ground, yeah. Um, yeah, look, it was an interesting one because if I remember correctly, the ruck was over the try line, but the ball yeah. wasn't. So technically it was short. the defending players... It was players, called short. Yeah, it was called short. So technically the defending players could have jumped over the players on the ground and been on the try line because there's no offside line once when there's no offside line in, in the... Um, in, in, uh, over the try line so they in could the have come, area yeah, yeah but in, in the ball area. wasn't the ball wasn't no but the rock was the ball was, no but the rock was um well, so you don't have to be behind the, the last ball. feet yeah you can be on the you have you can yeah in that instance you can be on the line so yeah that's what i'm saying so they technically could have jumped yeah. over but it's it is a weird gray area and i like your language of having the scrum half has to remove the ball from the rock to play it um, there's no, there's nothing in the rule, drive. the law book around the ball being dead or live, but mm. maybe it's something we need to talk about. Maybe technically when the ball is in a ruck, it's dead and it's not playable because you can't pick it up. You can only use your feet at that point. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Dr. Joshua Yuvaraj. Uh, not perfect, but comfortably the most crusadersy performance I've seen from an Aussie team in Super Rugby in that first 40 minutes by the New South Wales Waratahs. Clinical, remorseless, targeted, and precise. Everything Aussie teams tend not to be. More, please. Um, obviously, that's not a question. I will just say I love it when the Waratahs are compared to the Crusaders. More of that, please. <laughs> and in a positive um, way, and not a not a defense, not a a negative way around giving away two yellow cards and 16 penalties in the D zone. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it was good to see a lot more accuracy within the execution of the Waratahs in their attack. Uh, that, that was just really, really pleasing. So more of yeah. that, definitely <laughs> more of that. Um, we did also have a question come in from Nathan Burns. Boys, I know you guys are a positive, look on a bright side kind of pod. So here's a challenge in the locker room this week. I'd like to hear the reason why you defend the reasons why Zvunavalu is still playing Super Rugby Pacific. He's lazy, <laughs> unenthusiastic, slow, regularly out of position, routinely overrun, and generally barely playing to a second grade club level. This is not being negative, just pure observations. Granted, the man is an athletic <laughs> specimen, but surely there are four to five better wingers than him in Queensland rugby right now. Uh, Mitch, quick response to that, my friend. Uh, dollar, dollar bills, y'all. I think that's where it comes down to the fact that AIU has put so much money into signing Vunavalu and the potential that he has that they just need to keep giving him minutes and game time in hope that he does start to pay off that. And that's purely why Eddie Jones has named him in his squad because of the potential that he has. Not how he's been playing, but how he could be played if he was coached and molded and encouraged correctly. So 
Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree though. Like, if you're not performing and there's players on the bench who aren't getting game time, that's frustrating. That's frustrating for fans. Yep, mate. I would love to see um, Mac Greeley, Mac Greeley, take his position on the wing. He is electric. Every time I see him play, I love watching him play. Um, so he's someone I'd love to get see get more game time. Um, yeah, look, I, I really agree with you. I really agree with you, Nathan. I don't think he has been good enough. And that's why we commented quite, uh, at length about his Wallabies call-up as well. So take our thoughts about his Wallabies squad inclusion and kind of apply it to Super Rugby as well. And you've probably got an answer to your thoughts and questions. Um, okay. Final question. Shane Wright. Um, hi guys. Currently the women's game is looking into a lion's lioness type touring group. Should they copy the original tour every four years to one country, or is it time for a format change? Seeing the Lions men every 12 years against my team is not doing it for me. Mm. Um, I, that's a really, really good question. What were your thoughts when you saw this come in? Yeah, so I, I tend to agree with where Shane's sort of going towards with that around the potential to shift things up a little bit. And I would say, let's do it every four years. So instead of uh, let, let's like, let's twist it up. So instead of doing, going to New Zealand, South Africa and Australia every 12 years, once every 12 years, let's play it every second year or, um, every four years, whatever ends up working out the best, but swap it around. So we'll have one, one year, the British and Irish Lions women's team come South and they play, and they play down here in the Southern hemisphere. And on the other hand, we'll, we'll do a combined Anzac 15 or um, Southern Hemisphere if we want to include South African women's team in that as well. And we'll go up mm-hmm. there and tour. So yep. let's just change it up a bit. We, we've always seen the Lions come South, which is always exciting. But how good would it be to see a Southern Hemisphere team go North, a combined team, and see how that goes. Play it in in Ireland and England and Wales and and get the fans playing at home. Yeah, that'd be really exciting. There's there's some good options of what it could look like. So um, we'd love to hear your ideas as well. So Shane, if you've got particular ideas of what you think it could look like, that would be great. Um, you do say that seeing the Lions men every 12 years isn't doing it for you, which I can completely understand. It does take a long time for the Lions tours to come back around, but it's unfortunately the nature of the beast as it is right now. So Mitch, I think we've got to the end of the pod. Anything else we want to quickly mention before we finish up? Uh, just a big shout out to the Brumbies fans that were down there at, at GIO Stadium on the weekend. It was awesome to be down uh, with you and cheering on the Waratahs. Good banter from a lot of the a lot of the crowd and a lot of the people that were there. 10,575, I think, was the final figure there. So well done right. for getting over the 10,000. I think I saw it was the first crowd over that number in since the 2019 quarterfinal. So um, great to see that the crowd's building, whether that's New South Welshmen coming down to support the Waratahs, definitely a lot more than 13 people in, in blue around the stadium. So that was awesome to see as well. Brilliant. And then what we might finish on is um, we have our good friend, Pi aficionado, Steve Lenthal, who's been able to get us the post-match press conference audio. So that will be coming up in a moment. And the first interview you'll be hearing or the first uh, conference you'll be hearing is with the Brumbies followed by the Waratahs. So There's uh, actually a really good shout out from um, Darren Coleman in Mm. this around the quarterfinals. So make sure you keep an ear out for that. That's a good chuckle. Awesome. All right, team. Have an awesome week. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. Cool. Bye, everyone. How exciting it is. What a night, mate. What a game. Um, what did you make of it? 
Um, I think I was just really proud of the boys. Um, you know, there was uh, a lot of times in that game where you know we we're on the ropes, um, but we just found a way to win. Um, you know, especially un under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, so I thought our finishers came on and did a great job, um, and that's what we expected of them. Um, you know, very very calm and composed there, especially our nine and ten. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough review, but uh, the positive is we came off the back of a good win. When, when you're playing in a game like that, there was the fans just so back and forth, so entertaining. Do you sort of know you're in the middle of a crazy moment like that? Yeah, we do. I think I was just trying to, um, I was just thinking of trying to get one and then and then get another try, you know. But it just kept going back and forth, and um, we're trying to think of ways just to play in the right areas of the field and uh, to go back, uh, um, um, you know, to go back to back on them. But yeah, as a credit to them, like they. They came down here and showed a lot of heart, you know, kept us out. Um, you know, in the first half when they were down with uh, two yellow cards, um, actually turned us around and scored down the other end, you know, which put a lot of pressure on us. Um, you know, our body language probably had a lot of dropped heads in that moment. Um, but, you know, we came out of that. Um, I think in comparison to other years, there was a lot of growth, you know, especially from our boys. Just kept it composed and stayed in the moment and, um, yeah, really just gave ourselves the opportunity to win that game there in the second half. And from a forward path perspective, the way like when you were behind, because I felt like it was the forwards that stepped up, as you said, before. So there's Sim Bins just had him on the line the whole time. Were you happy with how the forwards delivered tonight? Yeah, um, you know that's something that we pride ourselves on here at the Browns is our set piece, and especially um, you know we always go to that you know either to get momentum or um, you know if we're under pressure or um, you know to get a penalty. So um, you know I thought our I thought our set piece was great, especially our scrum. Um, Little work to do around our line now, um, but it's something to improve on for next week. What is it about this group of players that means you're able to constantly lift and um, win those big moments? Yeah, it's huge. Um, you know, I think I was saying to some of the boys there that I think a couple of years ago that um, you know when Mark's try in the corner, we'll probably just drop our heads there and um, that game will get away from us. Um, but the composure that the boys showed was unreal. Um, you know, it's a, a lot of experience from our boys, and as I said, the the energy from the bench was was awesome. You know, big big Freddie come come coming on and having some good ball carries, a calm and composure for our nine and ten lollars, and and uh, Jack there was exactly what we needed in that moment. So um, it was great, and I think the boys will take a lot out of that. Corey, big moment at the end. He's obviously a handful for position defenses, but yeah, on the same team as him. Is that Tuli? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you just give him a bit of space and he's gone, you know. So I'm probably just as soon as I see him touch the ball with that bit of space, I'm backing that he's going to score. But um, he's, he's, he's awesome. He's, he's been a great addition to our team and someone who's been putting in week in, week out, um, you know. So he's been one of our best players. Steve, Al's obviously touched the ball a but what did you say from the boys tonight? What did you make that, that character that he's touched on that? Uh, yeah, I'm seeing that as well. Um, had a couple of tough games early in the season um, that have been close as well and I think that's probably put us in good stead for tonight. We certainly showed real composure and belief in that second half and like Al said, the reserves came on, um, they changed the game for us. Um, you, know, you could probably argue that our bench did a better job than their bench. Um, we put them under a little bit of pressure with a bit of territory and they failed to exit a couple of times there and we capitalised on that. Like Al was saying, there. It was a bit tit for tat, and they were really clinical, really good inside the 22, whereas we struggled in that first half to convert some points in that 22. Um, but the second half, um, 
we found a bit of energy with these boys and we started to convert those opportunities and, and put that pressure on them inside their half and um, managed to back it up with back-to-back scores. You sort of talked about the rivalry stuff all week, but I suppose you think it's sort of important for Australian rugby, like a game like that, Saturday night, it was just, it was just such an exciting game. You think it sort of does everyone to a game like that? Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen that, haven't we, in the competition. The number of tries is uh, more um, for the first six rounds than last year. and. We've had slightly more ball in play time and the game length is actually a little bit shorter now as well so there's there's more intensity out there. The boys are um, a little bit more fatigued at the back end of the games because they're getting less rest and I think we're seeing that um, exciting game now because um, guys are missing their mark, missing their roles uh, under fatigue. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a great spectacle to watch at the moment, there's no doubt about that. Given how many tries he scored and how much attack there is, how important does that make defence, particularly back Yeah, and that's what Al's talking about there. We've got some stuff to review, and we sort of said this for a number of weeks now that um, we weren't happy in the first half with how easily they got through us or over us um, when they were attacking inside our 22 in that first half. And yeah, we've, we've got, um, you know, we've got a challenge this week because we've got a six day turnaround again, and it's hard to put. Um, you know, some good training on the back of good games like this when you've got six-day turnarounds. And we've got five this year in, in terms of our season, so we, you know, we're up against it in terms of the, the schedule. Um, but we're certainly going to we'll review that game hard. Um, and on Monday, we'll, we'll go about trying to fix some of the mistakes that we're making. How's Manny his calf? Precautionary, so we got through that first half and um, just started to cramp a little bit there just as it was coming in on half time. So, yeah, we hope we, we caught it early enough and it doesn't linger into next week. Obviously, a world is quite coming to own consensus in this room. His Corey Tool should be someone that should be riding that mix. Is that just the, that journey? I mean, he's barely started playing 15s or 15 yeah. club or whatever, and the fact that he's in that, that mix, what, what a journey. Oh, he's been really impressive, like Al said. I mean, he's had a um, a short time in the team, but he's really bonded with all the boys. He's got a really good connection with all the players. He's played. There's only two guys that have played every minute so far in the season: Andy Muirhead and Corey Tool. Um, and he's, you, you know, everyone's talking about his attack and getting ball in space and all that sort of stuff. But defensively, he's outstanding as well. He's putting a lot of pressure with our kick chase, um, but then he's making some big shots in big moments, um, which he did again today. Um, there were a couple of real important tackles that he made on the edge that stopped them scoring some tries as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, we should really have 23 Brumbies in the Wallaby squad, but we'll see, we'll see. Al, speaking of getting in space, what about Slip's uh, try scoring feats tonight? <laughs> hey, special ones? Yeah, he's un- unreal. Um, you know, I saw that, I saw his little attempt at a swan dive um, <laughs> first half, but he came back and said that he winded himself. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's been, he's been going hard for um, yeah, some tries. So it's good to see him get a double. He went for a third one and then knocked the ball on over the line. Yep. And then hooked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he came off after that, yeah. But yeah, I thought he was uh, outstanding tonight. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, proud to be the coach. I thought they uh, are tough and they're committed, and uh, yeah, we, we gave it a good shot. Um, a bit short, but um, I'm uh, yeah, whatever. It's, it's a different sort of feeling. I'm obviously disappointed in the loss, and I feel for the boys because they haven't had much pay for their work of late. 
but um, I'm comfy and confident where we're heading. We're definitely in the right direction. Yeah, what did you sort of make of the performance? What, what worked? I mean, you were able to answer every, every punch they threw, basically. Mate, we were, I think the team's got incredible spirit. Like, some of those goal line stands, uh, particularly in the first half, again, were, were exceptional. That period when we went down to 13 on potentially 12 men at one point there, and... Uh, yeah, that that was that was impressive. Um, we got back to running with some real conviction. Uh, although our attack didn't get the the multi-phase fluency, sometimes games like that don't. You sort of there wasn't a lot of ball football played around the halfway lines. But I thought once we got into the A zone, we genuinely carried with some real power and uh, and did did good with our chances. Um, set piece again, a little scrum wobbles early. But we fixed that and came back, line out. I felt like, uh, I have to see the numbers, but I felt like we got the better of that. We stopped three or four of their malls in the D zone. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of the performance. Just got to, uh, it's a game of inches there, and we just we just duffed a couple of little things there that, that probably would have got us to win. Bobby's been playing some good footy, the results not quite going away, but is that sort of performance that gives you confidence that the results will start coming if you keep playing like that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we've played the top two teams two weeks in a row and been right in the game to the last the last few minutes. There won't be many people to come to Canberra and win. Um, and I'd like to think the Brumbies are always up a little bit more for us than they are for some others. So, yeah, um, I know it looks funny sitting at one and one and five or four losses on the bounce, but I've not that I've been here before, but I'm, it's not as dark as I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, the boys are out there. They 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 know it. They, they know it better than me. Um, different. Chiefs probably got a bit more firepower, I think, in open field and in, in open play. But the Brumbies set piece and structure is is one of the best. Um. Oh, they're pretty pretty good up front. Um, even though tonight I thought we did a great job. Set piece was usually really strong. Um, you know, even though starter plays are really direct and hard to stop at points. And then um, yeah, once they get into your 22, they're pretty hard to stop. Um, they're a well-drilled side. Um, but yeah, a little bit different of the Chiefs, but yeah, definitely a, a top two team at the moment. Up 12 with 20 to go, what could you guys have done differently to, to play the uh, it was probably just a few big moments. Could have done a little bit better. Um, hindsight's a great thing. But, yeah, there's probably in that last sort of, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, a few errors that probably hurt us a little bit too much. Jay, when, when you were down to 13 players, what was the message to your team? Did you seem to get a bit of a lift? You had a couple of penalties. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought we did a great job when we were down 13 men at one point. Um, we had a really clear plan throughout the week. The coaches did a great job there. Um, and even on field, our messaging was quite clear. And um, yeah, we got some quick ball. We decided to play a little bit more direct, look at blind sides. Um, but yeah, I thought we handled that period pretty well. Eddie's going to name a squad tomorrow. Was it a good sign that so many people that maybe maybe would be candidates for that squad over pretty really pleasing performances? I'd rather play good than bad. Um, but yeah, look, I think uh, a few of those guys put in some really big shifts tonight. Um, but yeah, you know, um, let's just hope there's a few tiles in it. Yeah. And, and Max back in the lineup tonight, Graham. What did you make of him? You seen a different game running. Yeah, Max is Max, man. He's got some of that, 
some some God-given talents. You can't uh, you can't coach. Um, he'd be the first to admit he's still got little things, a few little intricacies around fullback play to to work on. But I was um, I was particularly pleased for him, for Isaiah, for Marky. We scored some nice long-range tries today, and because we've got strike power, um, we just needed to um, to get the confidence from getting a couple of those tries. So I said, there's most parts of the game are. Are there now. We just got to we just got to tweak a couple of things. Stay on, stay, stay the course. Stay online, and um, yeah, it's an interesting time now. We got a break. You don't want to go into a break of four losses, but actually, I'll sleep well tonight because I know we got a we got a good run home, and we have got a good bunch of boys. We're getting we got no injuries tonight. We got another four or five back after the bye. We'll be able to have better bench depth, stronger bench depth, and uh, we'll make a hell of a run at the end. Darren, what's this sort of thing like for you? Obviously, we're talking about Jerusalem, the rivalry coming out of town, but like, how has it been the last seven days? Yeah, not, not, not too much. Um, I was, I've got to admit, I was looking forward to going into Meninga Bar to have a, have a beer. Um, I, I was really looking forward to doing that, meeting Mr. Um, Hobbs, Nobbs, Hobbs, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get to get that. There'll be a rain check. We'll, I'll get that beer off him in the semis. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel stressed, of course you do. You, you lead. I'm leading Australia's biggest and proudest rugby province. So when we got to the point we're in at the moment, you do feel it. Um, but yeah, I'm just proud of our team. Like I, I know I just said to the boys in there, and it's a losing share, but it ain't a losing share. Like I genuinely don't feel we lost. You know when you play shitty and the, and the change room looks. Looks ordinary. The injuries are high, and it doesn't feel like that. I, I know the boys are still disappointed. They're not. They're not whistling Dixie in there yet, but that they can hold. They can walk out of here with their heads held high. They can go and break, feeling good about what they've done. And as I said, well, I can't wait to get back for the force. Did you say the rivalry took a bit of revived a bit after tonight's showing? Ah, yeah. I, I know the crowd were pretty happy at the end. Yeah, you want you want passion. Uh, I, I counted more than 13 people in blue out there, um, so there's uh, yeah, it's a it's a good rivalry. You want sports rivalries, and um, yeah, I don't know. That's other people's to judge, but we 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 benchmark ourselves on them. Like we want to, if there's one team I want to play in the final and beat, it's it's the Brumbies.